0: Switching mediation providers might seem like a pain in the ass, but it doesn't have to be. If you're thinking of making the transition from Mopub to IronSource, we've got you covered. First, we've created a dedicated tool that removes the manual work when migrating to IronSource Mediation. Second, we'll be holding workshops with IronSource experts where you can have all your migration needs taken care of. And if you want to do it yourself, we also have technical documentation for migrating to IronSource Mediation in our knowledge centre. To learn more about these initiatives and begin monetizing with Souls today, head to www.is.com forward slash migrate. That's www.is.com forward slash migrate. This podcast is brought to you by Google for Games. It takes more than a collection of tools to help you bring your gaming vision to life. With cross-platform solutions that give you access to billions of potential players around the world, Google is your partner to create great games, connect with players and scale your business. Visit g.co slash Google for games or go to the link in the podcast description below. And if you ask me, Google for games is the destination to learn more about game solutions and latest research and insights from Google's gaming teams to help you achieve your goals. If you're not driving or working out while listening to this podcast, I really suggest you fire up that browser and check out Google for games.
1: Well, welcome to Twig. I guess I'm hosting, which I don't even know how to do that, but I guess I should learn eventually. Um, It's just the three of us. Those with the good connections that don't live in Finland or like are at a hotel. So we look really, really good right now, as far as I can tell. So this should be a better quality podcast, at least, at least from a visual perspective and audio perspective, maybe not from a content perspective. Uh, we are talking about three things today. One is the uh, Sony Investor Day. Uh, the second is the global gaming market's going to hit 222 billion. And we're going to, I think, Run through Marvel Stap and uh, also some kind of updates on apex and uh, and I'm downloading Diablo, which is taking me for fucking three hours., uh, so we're playing Diablo as well. Um, I absolutely have no comments this week. <clears throat> I have promised I have, I, have, I have lied in the sand. I am not talking about the A word, and I'm not talking about the id f a word either. Like that's it. No, none of that talk this time. I'm gonna talk about Sony. And I'm going to talk about Apex, and I'm going to be a good boy and not talk trash about those folks. So,
2: the feel like right right now is kind of crazy though in terms of the amount of just shit happening in terms of game releases, yeah, like entertainment releases. I don't know, like a, like the Diablo just launched today. Obviously, I'm going to have to spend my life to try to play
3: that game. To it's the gonna end take your whole life to download. Um, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude.
1: It is. It is
3: 15 gigabytes.
1: 15 gigabytes. I've i never seen anything like that on mobile, dude. That's like AAA stuff going on right now, right? 15 gigabytes, dude. I I don't know. I don't know. It, it is amazing so far, though. But I, if we're if we're gonna start, <laughs> it's, it's an hard. amazing download
2: so far. Just an incredible yeah, no, download no. experience. <laughs> no,
1: I'm saying the game feels like Diablo. It's giving me that like loot, warm and fuzzy. Like let's let's go. Let's just keep going and building, building, building. That warm and fuzzy loot. Like grime feeling, you know. I'm, 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 in. this is I'm in. like Diablo
2: is your
1: model, right? You love the looter shooter model. It is it's
2: the shiny thing on the ground. You pick it up, you equip it. Um, the big question though is, is like you compare that to the typical CCRPG gotcha model, and CCRPG wins out in at long term retention. So, can they actually transition a Diablo loot pickup system to something that actually survives, uh, for decades? You know, the
1: answer is no. But okay, <laughs> but <laughs> we've answered that question fact, already. The fact that I haven't been pushed to monetization within the first hour, I'm I'm already seeing fail written all over this thing. But you know, I don't know. Maybe they'll find some audience that keeps playing the game forever and ever, or maybe they'll do really well in Asia, which they kind of have a different, uh, you know, gameplay I, style. Well, next next week we'll have
2: seven days worth of launch data. We'll get an early read on RPI and whether
1: this thing is <laughs> going to be like it's a gonna be low. call
2: of duty thing like is it going you think it's going to be less than a dollar
1: or over a dollar oh it's got to be under a dollar okay i don't know but um <clears throat> but but the game is really well done what sucks is it's playable on mobile but it's not playing on, on pc so i'm going to play it on pc because i'm playing on mobile dude i can't even read this shit man i want to need like a magnifying glass to read anything on the screen it's like have you have you, been, you, know? have you been playing apex mobile too no I played one round. That was it. That's all I Uh, want to play. No, I I just found with Apex Mobile specifically the text in
2: it. Like I can't even read it. And I've got a big iPhone, and I was like, "What is the gun that I'm picking up?" Versus (laughs) even PUBG and COD, like I guess they figured out the fonts to use because it's so small, right? You got to look through like a box of like five guns. But no, like when you're translating these PC console experiences to mobile, like (laughs) even things like fonts become a challenging problem.
1: That shit's a young man's game, man. You know. When you get over 40 and you start losing your eyesight, then you can't play those type of games. It's just too frustrating, you know? Anyway, whatever. You, you, All right, moving you on. I like got
2: a 12 inch iPad just to play these games. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. I needed to, you know, some projector or something to blow it up on the fucking wall or something. All right, All right.
3: right. Let, me, let me start. Um, All right. So I'll, I'll kick off the podcast um, with some thoughts on a comment that I made last week about EA. It was a sort of very brusque, uh, acerbic content, uh, comment, um, that was not helpful and not constructive in the discussion. Um, I try to, uh, always present my analysis in a way that is kind of sober and, uh, objective and that was not that. Uh, so I want to apologize to EA. I, I did not mean, uh, to, that was in a, in, in a, in a moment Of uh, in in a moment of of lack of clarity that I made a comment that was not helpful, but I did want to kind of circle back to that because the point I was trying to make I think still stands. And what I said about EA was basically that it was not structured um, in in a way that allows it to to launch mobile games successfully, right? And that's not a dig at anybody at UA, but my understanding, and this is a you know this comes from sort of like recent feedback that I've gotten from people that joined EA um, and and left. Was that EA is is built around a publishing model for AAA console and PC games, and they've struggled uh, to adapt uh, to the way of publishing games uh, that is uh, uh, is helpful for 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 mobile games, and it's really a structural issue. It's not that they lack like good people; they've got re- really smart people there that work hard and do great work. But the problem is you've got these studios existing as these kind of standalone entities and a lot of the, the, the infrastructure and the resources that you need to launch a mobile game tend to have to be centralized in a kind of centralized publishing team for a mobile game. And these resources are distributed across these studios that are focused on different uh, parts of the the AAA and, and PC console portfolio. And so it's very hard sometimes, and this is my understanding, from having spoken to people at UA, to get access to those resources to support mobile games, right? Mobile games are seen as kind of like, uh a, a tier 2 project instead of you know a tier 1 project which the the AAA uh PC and, and console games are so that was that was the point i was trying to make which which i would imagine uh presents some frictions and some hurdles in launching a mobile game and and i i believe that may be uh what has caused the performance of of apex to to sort of be less than uh you know stellar with its launch that was my point hopefully i clarified that point wasn't trying to make a dig at any individual or any teams at ea uh, it was mostly about the structure of the company and how uh, that's probably not conducive to launching mobile games successfully.
1: All right. I mean, if you want me to be the jerk, like at the end of the day, these guys, first of all, the CEO hates, Andrew hates mobile, right? He hates free, mobile free to play. He just doesn't like it, right? So he's not supporting it with the amount of resources that historically that they have, and they haven't built up an org to really support it. And what you're telling, which I think what you're saying, and I actually know this for a fact, or anecdotally at least, is that they do not have the resources to scale games that don't make money within the first few months. So the one anecdotal thing I heard way back when, which I'm sure is still the mentality in most of the people at EA, is that they want short-term returns. So something like SimCity made back the re- returns on UA within like the first two months, right, within their fiscal. that was They would spend more money on that than something like uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, which was minting money over 18 months, right? So it's like this fundamental misunderstanding of how mobile user acquisition works and paybacks and returns and ROAS and all that other crap, right? They, is it really
2: just as fundamental as a ROAS model? Like they're not looking at it as a co- coordinated no. ROAS, and they're not uh, that, projecting out ROAS beyond? Like, like no, what they, what they, is they, it? What is a typical payback window? Like no, because they want to return it in a...
1: the fiscal. They 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 only yeah, care about. That that's their mentality. Like, when is are we gonna get this paid? Are we gonna make this much revenue by the end of the fiscal? Right. And that that's like that, that is not the mobile mentality. That's not software as a service mentality, right? Like, but that, that there are people yeah. there that But, but if we're there. if we're gonna speculate
2: yeah. on 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 Apex specifically, right? Like if you were to throw a dart at the wall, Sufer, what would you think the payback window would be for, for a shooter game? like a typical like for cod and PUBG, how long do you think
3: they pay back i mean i my sense is that they're probably aiming at somewhere between 90 and 180 i don't think this is not a long this is not a long life cycle game this is not a forex uh or a card uh, card based like strategy game this is quick turnaround on the revenue uh so they'd probably you'd probably be wanting to aim for between 90 and 180 right yeah I, yeah
1: fail i mean i think it's fail. I mean, I, I don't think they can scale the game the way other games in the category have, have scaled with that kind of mentality, right? Or that but like is EA. it? Because, is
2: it just because Activision and uh, Garena look beyond D one hundred and eighty?
1: I think so. I do, dude. They they had like one hundred eleven million installs in the first month, dude. Like you yeah. think they you think they were getting some ROAS on that?
2: No, I think they're,
1: if, if I'm going to speculate,
2: I'm assuming they're shooting from the hip, right? Like they're just looking at what they think that those cohorts could have made and just saying, no, we're, we want to be this 100 million Call of Duty yeah, no, no. game. And I, they ended up spending a lot on, on lower tier markets. Um, but I need to confirm on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, look, I'm, I'm just speculating. All right. But let's do a quick update on Apex Mobile just to clarify, because Mishka had no freaking idea what he was talking about last time. So I... You know, it's like I love you, Mishka, but and you're not here, so you can't defend yourself. But like at the end of the day, it's doing exactly what I expected it to do, right? The downloads, okay, maybe they're not anemic, but they are low relative to the comps, right? They're at like 18 million downloads of Coding Center Tower, and that information may actually be inaccurate. We have to get a kind of a uh, update from the company to see if that number is accurate. But the revenue numbers are actually are likely very accurate because. They're not in the top three or four, right they're like in in middling down on a daily basis so so from that perspective, they are down eighty four percent in terms of relative to call of duty, so it's not even on the same battlefield right playing field or whatever the expression is, and basically a sixty six percent drop in revenue, which basically implies that their rPI is actually quite good, right It's almost double, which is good thirty three cents is where they're at right now, and that's a pretty good rate for a shooter this early and so there's no doubt, I think they they will monetize the way Call of Duty does ultimately, but it's going to be with a much smaller, smaller group because I don't think, again, back to what we were saying before, they have the appetite of spending insane amounts of money on UA to bring the biggest audience possible. Maybe that wasn't their plan to begin with, right? And and I just, for some, for some reason, I just don't really think, even with shooters, that a $2, like, like if they're only doing about $2 LTV on these games, maybe it's... Depending on the territory, of course, but like, can they really scale UA um, aggressively and and hope for returns on these on on that UA? I mean, what is the CPI for a shooter these days? You know, I, I really don't know uh, to be honest, but I still think they can get to about 100 million probably in the first 12 months, if if I were to guess, which is not terrible, but that's certainly not exceptional, right? For for the production value, and since EA only gets a very small percentage of this re- revenue, it's just not really all that material to EA. Um, at least, in my humble opinion, what do you think, Adam?
2: Um, well, my my guess is that this year has to be kind of the 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 year that they kind of establish themselves and then build up towards a stronger year two, year three. Um, I don't really see the game as a new, but like 100 million in the first year, I'm not sure what their expectations were um, coming into this, like how much they forecasted. Hopefully, they didn't just graft Call of Duty performance onto Apex and assume that they roughly hit the same, um, because I don't think that that expectation is correct. Um, I'm trying to figure out, like, the is, is there any sort of underlying differences? Because you said RPI is higher. Yep, I completely agree with that. But they're also executing with more features than Call of Duty did at launch. And they're also executing on more cosmetics. Like I think when we looked at Call of Duty Mobile when it first launched, it was just obvious Tencent was just throwing out kind of crappy cosmetics, kind of testing the field. And then they switched their strategy up post-launch, um, and that's really when things started to change for them. Um, in this case, they're really executing on like a strong in-game shop with a ton of different cosmetics that look really, really good. Um, so they they're they're they've got a stronger day one offering for sure than Call of Duty. Um, Sensor Tower is actually estimating that. Uh, Apex has slightly lower retention on D1 and D7 and as well as a ratio of D7 over D1. Um, So that could like still there's going to be margin of error here. Sensor Tower is not amazing at at predicting retention, but um, that kind of signals to me, okay there might be something different underlying in terms of the retention. Um, The shooting gameplay is more complex than Free Fire, God Mobile and PUBG Mobile. Uh, they just got to cram more abilities and this ability to slide around on the screen just makes things more difficult. Um, and also COD Mobile opens up a lot different modes during onboarding than Apex Legends. Apex Legends basically throws you right into a large-scale battle royale right from the start, um, very similar to PUBG Mobile. Um, and I think COD M just kind of has an advantage because they can go to some of these shorter-term modes. Um, also, I'm not sure what it is about um, how they decide these things, I felt that there was quite a lot of bots or really easy matches for a long time. So I don't know if Chris, if you ever felt like you got out of that kind of onboarding experience, but I, I certainly
1: felt like there was a plenty of easy matches. Uh, I thought there was I no bots in this game. That's what Get okay, that, that that's is, what I was told. That is not true. Go, we can go talk. We can go talk, but
2: I think that's bullshit. So in the match I think, that I had yesterday, well, it was a team death match, and I witnessed my entire team of like seven players all go to the one side. Stare at each other and jump all at the same time. I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs> maybe they're all six. Maybe they're all six year olds, yeah. like playing on the slide, right? I don't know. I don't Definitely know. did not look
2: like six year olds. Look like. I, I, bots. Why would
1: he? Why would? Why would he lie? Why would he lie about something like that? But maybe, okay, because he yeah. wanted you to play the game more. I don't know. <laughs> Giovanni. Uh, yeah. Um,
2: Anyways, ooh. beyond beyond this point, like the uh, characters in the game. Um, very fast to earn them, so there's, it, it's not as if they're going to get an advantage from selling things beyond just cosmetics, and they do have a perk system, which I think uh, is a good idea. But right now the scale, the the system is pretty linear. It's just kind of a simple tech tree. There's not much for collection pressure yet, so I think they they have a strong basis here. There's lots to work on, um, but I think that it's going to be a, a challenge to kind of break out of of um, like reach that kind of uh, cod mobile performance.
1: Yeah. No. I mean. And just to be clear, what the, all, the underlying assumption was is that their feature set at launch was this feature set that Call of Duty had like six months later, right? So the the idea is that they both are equal in terms of feature sets ultimately, and that LTVs for both games are going to be very similar. That's that's the assumption. So I just want to be clear on that, right? I mean, literally Call of Duty had almost no monetization features when it launched. Like it was, it was very, very light, right? And so they built all that afterwards. But I think, yeah, yeah. Um, so
2: I, I think it's just watching that RPR growth
1: from here on out, right? Right, and see see if they kind of like merge ultimately. Okay. Yep. What else? Oh, Catalyst who's Black. Black? Um, who's this was a Misca thing. thing. I'm not sure if we can. Yeah, I'm not sure if we should really cover I, I, it. I, it's only. I think they've made like 800,000 revenue or something like that. So it's it's not worth talking about, dude. And and like you know they keep trying to make the same game over and over again and expecting different results, and it's just not not happening so
2: yeah, the tough thing <laughs> that's I have my this, as we've mentioned before is this is trying to be a co-op pve moba right um and the models are completely different like this has to function like a pretty deep CCRPG for this to have long-term legs and an rpi of 30 cents when you're kind of competing in this co-op pve space i don't think it's good enough
3: no that's got to be i mean we'll see i think a problem with these games and like i was a big Vanglory Van you know, fan early on, and I like that gameplay, but you've got to find a way to, it. you very quickly in these kind of games, uh, separate the people that are obviously going to invest and obviously going to be very committed from the people that would like to play, but just in like a very sort of, uh, I don't know, breezy, um, I don't want to say casual, but not you know, habitually committed way. Right. And the problem is a lot of those people bounce off the atmosphere uh, when they open up a game like this and it's everything about it. It's not just the gameplay and like the lack of diversity of the gameplay modes. It's everything. It's the entire Fatui. It's the onboarding process. It's leveling up. It's learning the map, all that stuff. It's just like the funnel shrinks and shrinks and shrinks um, before you get to a point where you're even sort of actually playing the game, like to get onboarded to Vainglory, really any MOBA is like a one week process. It's not like a quick thing. Like if you want to actually get onboarded to where you can play the game and enjoy it, it takes a long time. You've, you've had, you have you've to have like some reasonable familiarity with the map and the characters and like multiple characters, right? Cause it's not just about being offensive. It's about being defensive. And like that, I think just that model and yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a there's a, a, a large enough group of those people out there that you can support a successful mobile game or any game, but it's reaching them and keeping them right, and making sure that you know the 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 sort of the 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 cohort of people or the group of people within the game that are, are not like the diehard committeds um, can still find some way to enjoy it without just being annihilated every time they open it up, right? Um, and like so
2: keep so keep in mind with Catalyst Black, what they're trying to do is there is no PvP anymore, right? So it's not as if you're getting stomped by, the, by other players on the other team. It's more like World of Warcraft raids and, and working together to take down. The
3: you game. know, but yeah, sure. And that's fine. But like, um, but nonetheless, I mean, they're still like just learning these systems and stuff. It takes so long. So I think it's just the problem is like, p- that, there's a sense that like you can take a paradigm and shoehorn it into mobile and change some like UI aspects or UX aspects, right? And, and that'll be a mobile game now and oh well and by the way it worked in in Asia well it's like that's you can't just apply that I think to the U.S. or to the western markets like it just doesn't work and I feel like if you want to take that um that gameplay mechanic to mobile you've either got to find a way to to offer that as like part of a menu of other gameplay mechanics that people are less hardcore committed can appreciate and can engage with but not in like the the you know the sort of like habitual like almost like uh, a, you know, sort of slavish devotion that you'd have to a job way, um, they could pick it up on the bus and play it engage, and engage like and still be like a DAU, right? Um, and it's just really hard to do that, I think. Because on, on desktop, um, on console, those, those people go and seek out those games. In mobile, it's a very crowded market, but you have to find them, right? And if you don't have something for the people that are a little bit less committed than the hardcore audience, I just think you're it's going to be failure to launch.
2: And I'm assuming the only people that can execute on that model move from pc console is the people already with the brands on pc console who can already kind of pull all that audience over because like we're of course we're evaluating right now diablo apex yeah would Duty mobile right. do those still do those still fall under your your idea that that hd experiences on mobile don't well, really
3: but work? that's so that's the difference though because if you look at call of mobile yeah. call of duty mobile is not call of duty console it's very different gameplay right it's much more approachable Right. Like, like it, it's, a, you know, if you look like the first, they, they, they just
2: automated a ton, right? Like they just made it so, like, it's auto, auto lock right. firing.
3: But it's not nearly as skill, a skill uh, based or the skills are different and the skills are uh, uh, yeah. acquirable, right? Like, when I, 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 I got a PlayStation, f- uh, whatever the lat was, what would have? PlayStation 5 now? I got a PlayStation 4 uh, mid COVID and it was the first console I'd owned since I owned a PlayStation 1. And, you know, playing Call of Duty for the first time, uh, you just suck and you don't even understand the game. And it's like very easy to get discouraged. Right. Um, but you could pick up Call of Duty Mobile without ever having played a shooter and find it fun. Right. Um, and, and that's that's the difference. Right. Like they took that. They, it's like, okay, We're going to build a shooter, but we're going to build a mobile first for an audience that doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, uh, you know, first person shooter aware or first person shooter sort of trained right versus you know console well you know that 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 audience is going to come come seek you out so that's one piece so i don't think the, the people that have made the mobas and a lot of none of the mobas on mobile have been like you know massively successful is they didn't really learn that lesson it's like well we just need to change the interface and the controls and people want to play mobas it's like no not that many on mobile do right you've got to find a way to engage the people that don't that, that are that are more on the casual end of the spectrum that just want to play something right um or just don't go to mobile Uh, But the other piece is like, yeah, Call of Duty had the Call of Duty brand, right? Like they can, that's just a magnet. They can pull all those people into that game versus like, you know, Apex not quite as big of a brand, right? And then a lot of the MOBA stuff was all starting from zero, right? Like there's no brand identity whatsoever. And I don't think a brand would have helped any of these MOBA games. It's too specific of a gameplay mechanic. But like there are are substantive differences when you look at Call of Duty, you know, AAA uh, PC console and Call of Duty mobile in gameplay, right? And they had the benefit of the brand. Right, And you never really have seen that happen with with MOBAs on mobile.
0: Recent changes in the app stores are boon to mobile game developers. Now you can sell in-game items and currencies with big savings on transaction fees. And Exola just added three new features to their web shop for mobile game solution to help you level up your monetization practices outside the app stores. The three solutions are subscriptions, analytics and promotions now subscriptions are a smart ad to your mobile revenue strategy they boost game revenue with predictability while maintaining a lawyer user base analytics give you data and data has become fuel on which modern society runs if you don't know your players you won't know what they want or how to get them to click that buy button analyze your data so you can create critical piece of the purchasing puzzle Finally, promotions allow you to easily reach out to opt in players via email or Discord and other channels to bring them to your web shop on your website. You'll be able to generate new sales and keep more profit. To find how to get started, visit exolapro mobile or go to the link in this podcast description.
4: Excited about NFTs in the metaverse? Ready to be part of the future of gaming? Recur is looking for talented producers, product managers, game designers, economy designers, and engineers. Recur is building branded NFT collectibles and games with top IP, including College Sports, Paramount, Star Trek, Nickelodeon, Sanrio, and more using its best in the industry technology platform. Recur's platform streamlines the NFT collecting experience. No crypto or third party wallets required. Simply buy an NFT with your credit card or Apple Pay. And Recur's robust gamification system creates infinite collecting and gameplay possibilities from which to make compelling play and earn experiences. Recur is backed by some of the biggest names in crypto and NFTs, including billionaire Stephen Cohn, Gary Vee, and Gemini, among others. Join us now and get ready to ride a rocket ship. Let's fucking go. All
2: right, let's move on. So um, I've got some quick updates. Uh, One is on Diablo Immortal. Um, they will not be releasing it in Belgium and the Netherlands, and it's reportedly due to restric- restrictive legislation in those countries. Um, the points here: there was a community manager on Reddit, so take it as a grain of, with a grain of salt. Um, the reason for it: the loot boxes in the game are against the law in uh, Belgium and Netherlands. So unless the gambling restrictions change, the game will not be released. Uh, as far as I know, there are no explicit loot boxes by name in Diablo Immortals. Of course, I'll try this out today. Um, my experience before was that they were just kind of getting cute with the Rift system that you're able to basically like um, upgrade these missions um, instead of buying straight up loot boxes. And maybe they have loot boxes elsewhere, right? Um, but that doesn't really, it's not the same thing. So my understanding is that a mission that drops a boosted random reward, as far as I know, can be classified as a game of skill. So I'm kind of wondering why it got caught up in this Netherlands-Belgium legislation. The only thing I can think of is that there's actually a player-to-player marketplace within this game um, for crafting currencies. So it could be that there's some sort of a, um, not a cash-out system, but at least a player-to-player value trading system. Um, that just got caught up in this legislation. Ah, uh. Yeah. And of course, I'll play today and see if there is. Loot
3: boxes. But we, we had that. We uh, covered this like a couple weeks ago that the Netherlands actually had uh, had had uh, said that loot boxes were fine. Like they're, they're the Consumer Protection Agency or whatever had, had like reversed the ruling. Right. We covered that like a couple weeks ago.
2: Yeah. I guess it's hasn't been fully confirmed yet enough that they would want to release in the country. Oh, interesting. Um, Anyways, second bit of news. Uh, Supercell has acquired a majority uh, stake in Trailmix with a $60 million investment. Uh, So this is big news for Laura and my friends actually out of London, uh, the the founders of Trailmix. Uh, They're an ex-King squad. They worked on Farmhouse Saga for years um, and then spun off their startup and very quickly got funding from Supercell. Um, their first big title, Love and Pies, which is a merge game, um, has been in soft launch for, for a long time. And really, the optimization now seems to be that they're ready to scale. Um, they mentioned in the post that day 120 of above 10%, which is amazing, and actually not crazy for merge. We've heard some crazy numbers as well from things like merge mention. Uh, sensor Tower is estimating above 35% D7 and above 20% D30, which is definitely amazing. Um, RPI is roughly about three bucks worldwide now, um, so it looks to be growing at the same rate as Merge Dragons, uh, which is definitely good to good to see. And this deal, to me at least, feels very similar to Merge Mansion, um, but bit just better executed, right? Like they they made this strategic investment very very early in this strong team. Um, they helped them build a game that was worth scaling, and then right out of that right of first refusal, they were able to double down their investment when the game is ready to scale. So. I just got to give kudos to Supercell for their investment strategy, actually working here and huge kudos to Trailmix team, um, who have been really grinding away at love and pies and showing that really a high talent density team can still execute on new games on mobile with great outcomes. Super.
3: Yeah. First of all, love and pies is just exceptionally well done. Um, what a great game. Uh, that's my go-to, uh, merge example now. Um, yeah, I think what's interesting about a supercell's doing now is like they've they've become like sort of a financial institution, right? Because it's not like they make early stage investments, um but they also do these lines of credit, right? Um they they offered up that like 200 million something to Medicore. Is that the right Medicore is the name of the company? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the the Merge Pensions guys. 200 million something euros I think it was too uh, as a line of credit. Uh so it's really interesting um the the role that they've emerged to play in the, in the ecosystem. Um, you, you know, the other thing is like, this is a, this is a pretty great outcome. I think, you know, f- for a small team, uh, you know, you've got now you're a part of, you know, arguably the most successful mobile gaming company to ever exist. um, You get to plug into their resources, uh, not just, I think, you know, with like publishing, but also just with like design talent and stuff um, is my understanding. So, this feels like a, a really like great outcome given the amount of time that they've been at work at this. This is what you say, three years.
2: I'd have to double check
3: that. But for that mm-hmm. kind of, that kind of turnaround, that kind of exit in three years is amazing. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. in, in terms of uh, yeah. the, the, the value of your time. So, I mean, just, I, I, I mean, what, what scares me a little bit about the mobile ecosystem right now is like, okay, well, who's, who are the big acquirers now? Right, Zynga's gone. They're not going to. I doubt they have like a big appetite for acquisitions at this point. Right, um, EA no. apparently is itself on the <laughs> on <laughs> for sale. Right, so are they going to be acquiring a lot of companies going forward? And, and I think and I think they were kind of done anyway. Um, you know who's left? Right. I I, I yeah. I, after Glue, I don't know if if, if Andrew is
1: going to. Unleash the purse strings anytime soon, you know, for anything you have to do with mobiles.
3: So. Right, I and mean, especially as he's probably right. focused on selling EA. Right, so I, I just don't know who's left. Who's, who are the big acquirers no. that are left? EA's stop it.
1: <laughs> EA's not for sale. That's, that's stupid.
3: Well, okay, but so, but, um, anyways, but but nonetheless, they're not. Uh, you know, an acquisition—they're not a—they're not a, a probably like a, a voracious acquirer going forward. So, who's left? Who's who's yeah. going to be doing the acquisitions? Like, wh- yeah. what what do the exits look like for these companies? I have Can no we still idea. Be doing this?
2: Like, does, does Scopely still do these types of investments? They do these strategic investments to build out new games, and then they acquire
3: when the project goes well. Same thing. That uh, but they haven't done like a big dollar acquisition in a long time. I think they they do like the with the early stage uh-huh. stuff. They have like warrants attached to acquire the studio. You know, if things work out. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that they do like big. Th- that stuff is like not public I don't think what happens a lot of the time yeah. I don't know
1: still front like they're trading at all-time low right now I don't know if they could do it um and the Asian guys are kind of off the table right now yeah I mean I think it's gonna be harder and harder to find there are consolidators out there you know like Michael Ch- Michael whatever the guy ah, I always mess that up the old guy from Warner is starting Steve his own Ching. Steve Chang sorry Anyway, I, I yeah, I think yeah, I think it's gonna be harder and harder to find people that are interested in actually exploring mobile at this stage. And I'm not gonna use the words. I'm not gonna use the words, <laughs> given given the headwinds. But uh, but you know, teams teams will get acquired, but not like not like companies, maybe you know, acquire stuff. But whatever. Anyway, yeah, I think it's gonna be challenging. Well, I
3: think I, uh, so. To-
1: but back to Supercell. Well, like, right. Sorry, I want to make one quick thing about Supercell, and I, I don't mean to dunk on Supercell, but like imagine. Imagine, if you will, that they did this eight, 10 years ago, right? They started doing the the, the access that they had and the love that they had for the development community. What do you think would be happening if they had a corp dev guy that was out there doing these little seed investments, talking to people, trying, do you know the empire that they would have built by now if they had actually executed against this? They they were beloved. They are beloved. Like, I mean... They had the opportunity, right, and now they're doing it when the market. Can we, can we just give Supercell a win here? Oh, <laughs> this uh,
2: is a, this is a win-win I, for them. It's like I understand, like okay, they they were doing it ten years ago, right? Like they acquired guys like Frogmind or did strategic yeah, investments in Frogmind, true. right? That was not ten um, years. That was like six. They years were they, ago,
1: five years ago, right?
2: Six years ago. Okay,
1: was it six? Anyway, the appropriate strategy <laughs> around this would have would have created you know, just an absolute massive company in this, in this space. More- I,
2: I, honestly, I, I, I can't knock stupid stuff of this they Internally, they, I don't think they can execute against casual, right? Like they did amazing things with Heyday, but they've been struggling with things like Spooky Pop and Heyday Pop. Um, I think acquiring teams like this, they also have that, that team out in San Diego, I forget their name. Um, that they did strategic strategic investments in, like just finding great talent and being able to do strategic investments. And I think they do have a leg up just based on their brand and their willingness to leave teams alone. So
1: And their patience. Kudos patience. to Super Okay. okay. Moving move yeah. what else we got?
2: Our last update from me was on just uh, PlayStation V-Bucks. So uh, Fortnite now um, seems to have negotiated a deal with Sony to allow fully cross-platform commerce. Um, so if you're not aware of this, prior... Um, Due to Sony shenanigans, um, you could do cross-platform matchmaking. You could do cross-platform progression where your account, your progression moves if you move between Switch and Sony, et cetera. But you couldn't take your purchased hard currency from Sony to other platforms because Sony wanted their MTX cut and wouldn't allow players to purchase on other platforms like, say, iOS getting all the MTX payments but Sony is where people actually spend that VC and spend their time with the things that they purchase. So Sony is likely picky because based on that Apple Epic leak last year, Sony is really the biggest chunk of their player base where the highest retention and engagement is and likely where the most valuable players by LTV start from. Um, So this was was them being restrictive and um, great for Epic for getting this deal signed. And hopefully this opens the door for more games to have fully cross-platform commerce as well.
3: Next one. Uh, next article is from gamesindustry.biz. The headline is Global Gaming Market to Hit $222 billion This Year. Um, and this data is attributed to data.ai, formerly App Annie. Uh, just quoting from the article, this year's gaming market will total $222 billion, with more than 61% of that accounted for by the mobile gaming market. Uh, Another quote: Mobile gaming is now the primary driver of growth for digital games consumption, and is set to extend its global lead to 3.3x home game consoles in 2022. Um, uh, Despite that projection, data that AI believes the console market will actually be down slightly this year to 42 billion, with PC Mac gaming virtually flat at 40 billion. Um, Yeah, I think all that tracks. I think that one of the things about mobile that, you know, is not, is like underappreciated. Now, I don't, I don't really want to say the A word or the I word either. Uh, but we'll just say like, given these headwinds, right. Is like, you know, and I've talked about this before, but like the whales are already in the games, right. So like none of this friction a- applies to like existing players, like cohorts that are in the games that are going to play for years and years and years, you know, the, the, the payers, the, the really, the, the truly committed people that drive the vast majority of revenue on, 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 on mobile they're in these games and so like there's no reason i mean like mobile is facing headwinds but it's still a kind of growth factor generally um you know mobile gaming is is still kind of like on a on a growth path it's just facing like it's hard to sometimes like kind of uh grapple with this this concept of like a headwind it's it's growing less fast than it would have absent this friction um now you know we're talking about uh sort of like an unknowable right like uh, we we don't we don't know what the what the situation would have looked like absent these headwinds, but you know there's still growth here, and so I think it's 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 tempting sometimes to declare like the death of mobile or whatever, but like no, it's still it's still on a growth trajectory. Same with like digital advertising, right? Um, it's just growing slower than it would have absent these headwinds, and I think um, you know the you know the data sort of projections support that idea, but um, you know my sense is going into a recession. Um, you know, it potentially, if we do go into a recession, right? Um, and then also with the COVID overhang, yeah, you would probably expect console games to take a bigger hit, right? Because mobile is still on you all the time. Like if you're not working from home anymore, you're not close to your Xbox, you're not close to your PS5, but your mobile is still always in your pocket, right? Your, your smartphone. And so like, I, th- I can't see any, like engagement there doesn't really change that much. Maybe like time spent gaming does, but also one interesting thing I learned about COVID was that actually podcast engagement dropped, right? Because people weren't commuting to work anymore. So there's like all these use cases that, you know, we don't think about um, when we think about COVID. And it just seems like this this boom time for games, boom times for a lot of digital services. Well, there's also use cases that suffered during COVID, right? That will sort of uh, be resuscitated post COVID. Um, now, the big question is like, what what the impact of a recession has? And, and Chris and I actually argued about this, like, kind of going into COVID, like how would mobile games fare in a recession? Because if you look at the gaming market in the last big recession we had, that was pre-mobile. That was 2008, right? App Store's launched 2008. So we don't really know what happens to mobile gaming in a recession. In the last recession, gaming was on fire, right? I mean, it was great. It was a boom period. But what happens to mobile gaming? I don't, I don't know that we know that, right? It's, it's an unknown because we've never really seen that happen yet. So I think that's just like the only kind of consideration I would, I would add here. Is when you're when you're projecting this growth out. I don't know if this accounts for a potential recession. I don't know how much this accounts for like potentially COVID COVID overhang. But still, like mobile is growing and and engagement generally is growing. And so there's a difference between a headwind and a a a sort of degradation or a drop right in in revenue. Yeah, I I'm I I I actually kind of look at it a different way.
1: Is that mobile is absolutely massive business that there's still lots of opportunities for the right type of products and the right type of genres with the right type of teams. Right. But it is, a de- it is likely going to be a declining business for the next few years minimum. Right. But since it's so big, like the fact that it's declining is not all that interesting, but if it's harder and harder to release new games, that makes it more, more a better market for the incumbents. Right. So, um, so I don't think it's a growing business anymore, at least in the West, um, but, that doesn't, but But it was artificially inflated with COVID to begin with, right? So we just got to a different level of, 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 of the business, but so I'll disagree with uh, Mr. Data AI or App Annie, whatever you want to call them. And I do agree with them with the console stuff. I think the console business is going to be really tough this year because of lack of product, lack of hardware, lack of software. But I think this cycle is going to be amazing. Um, for the next, you know, three to five years, so which I think they probably have in their numbers.
3: Did we talk about the Xbox game streaming hardware? Did I miss that episode? No, they just announced that right, like an Apple TV, like you know, yeah, piece of equipment. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. N- no, that's stupid. <laughs> just freaking stupid, dude. <laughs> but they're going for it. Like, come on, at least they're going for it on mobile, right? Like they actually have uh you know materially improved the experience in the in safari right because the whole thing was like they couldn't launch the xbox streaming app on the app store apple wouldn't let them and so they found a way to get get it to work in safari and at first it was really clunky it didn't work and they actually improved it to the point where it's like it's playable so they're i mean like they're actually pursuing yeah, have you played
2: have you played fordite on your um microsoft xbox on no. your phone you should definitely take have you played it it's, it's, yeah yeah it's it's impressive. um you can only play with a very strong Wi-fi connection, yeah. so really I'm like i'm I'm sitting there next to my switch and next to my steam deck yeah <laughs> and I'm like I could just play it on those things if i'm if I'm gonna need w- strong Wi-fi anyways
3: did I did I uh, but it's still impressive it's did get, I, have I told the story about uh, about putting my foot in my mouth next to a Google p.m who is working on uh um uh, stadia? No, but you can always tell the story. Well, it's so it's my. I'm I'm struggling with the idea of telling this to a lot of people. All right, so it's my my son's classmates' parents, right? We all went out to like get Mexican food one day after school, and I knew that, and you know we're like we're friendly, like I like them; they're very nice people. Um, and I knew that the husband worked for Google, but I just assumed it was. You know, whatever he works in Austin. I didn't know that there was any Stadia presence here, right? And so I was just going off like, yeah, Stadia. Look, it was a it was a tech solution chasing a, a problem, right? But a- anyway, it was it was like over engineered. There was no real demand for it. Like they weren't really thinking about how it fit into the market. And you know, I just don't really understand why they pursued that. And like they they had the wrong content strategy. They should have acquired a studio to build. It. And, like, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I work on that. Uh, we're on PM on Stadia. Oh. And I was like, oh, no, but I think it's got to, you know, it's gonna, they're gonna make it work. It's just like, you know, it's just a you know, false start here. <laughs> Did you, you, just got some headwinds. some headwinds, you just got some
2: headwinds. What's well, the challenges? Yeah. Okay. Let's move on.
1: Sony, Sony investor day. Oh, so this is not a quick one, but I just wanted to kind of like walk through what the Sony investor day, cause we don't see too many of these. Um, and it kind of sets up. I think what's interesting about the next cycle, but uh, so Sony had an investor day after their earnings call this year, this this year, and um, and it basically the whole thing was like pitching the strength of the PlayStation brand, and you're trying to sell it to investors, and 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 all this stuff with all this cross group synergies between movies, television, you know, all that stuff, right? M- music, um, but obviously the heavy heavy focus was on what the PS5 strength so far, and they're talking about you know. Even though, it's, even though it's a transition year for the hardware, they're still hitting record uh, earnings. Um, the PS5 is definitely outperforming the PS4 on sales, monetization, and engagement. Um, you know, They also highlighted strong China demand, which I just think is a little bit not true, but we'll, we'll see if they can actually continue to do that. And they're also talking about stronger performance on the PS4, which is actually exactly what I said anyway. Ages ago, but um, driven by a lot of the free-to-play games, a lot of the uh, you know software as a service type of games. They also outlined the three pillars for st- the strategy for longer-term growth: uh, commercial expansion, portfolio expansion, and audience expansion. Um, first, commercial expansion with the the, the subscription services, um, building out the online store, and then PSVR. So those are the three big things. Portfolio expansion, you know, including like M&A, uh, continued investing in IPs beyond games, so movies and television and, and music and all that stuff. And then also live services, obviously, you know, c- confirming their commitment with the acquisition of Bungie to continue to uh, expand their live services. And then audience expansion. This is one that's really interesting is how they outline this. It's kind of what they don't say versus what they do say. So. PC, they're basically going to continue to invest in PC, which is low-hanging fruit and no-brainer, right, is to bring out their games to PC and hopefully day and date ultimately, but that's, I think, far down the line. Mobile, which is close to me in the sense that I have, like, I think three or four absolutely really good friends that are working on PlayStation Mobile, and I, and I question their decision every day, but we will see how they can execute against that. And then uh, beyond console, like basically all the efforts outside of console, which includes uh, other platforms and different you know, delivery methods like cloud, which again, another afterthought because cloud is stupid, just saying. <laughs> um, so here's the good. The good, in my view, is that clearly the platform and the brand are super strong, right? Sony owns this thing, right? And, and this is likely going to carry them through this generation and the next, right? They have like such strong IP, such strong... Uh, content creators, and an, and an amazing platform. Um, and in the short term, the lineup actually looks pretty good. God of War was is miraculously, supposedly coming out in November. I still have my doubts. But if it comes out in November, regardless, it's going to be out in a relative soon, finally. And they have like a huge pipeline of games. They have tons of different developers. So that's all good. Again, the internal focus on live services is really, really good. So, And the reason that this is good and the nuance here is that if their teams are focused on live services, then the platform team will start focusing on tools and technologies that will enable these services. So they won't be the last platform to do cross-platform. They will add different fun- functionality and tools to help all the rest of us make games on their platform. So that's actually a really, really good thing for the development partners, right? Um, and... And again, I have to keep reiterating this point. While the U.S. is kind of split almost evenly between Microsoft and Sony at this point, uh, Europe and Japan will always be likely a Sony thing. Now, Microsoft may make some inroads there, but no matter what, I think Sony will continue to be the dominant platform on console for the next few generations, regardless of what Microsoft does. But I, I may be proven wrong on that, but I'm I I'm kind of convinced that you know content is king at this point. Um, so the bad... The the numbers about, they're doing victory laps over like engagement based upon COVID type stuff, which is dangerous because the comp is pretty tough. Um, you know, saying, <laughs> saying, don't worry, we got this. We're going to pivot to live services and mobile is much easier said than done, right? Um, and their IP fit is questionable at best. Um, the live service model, like the Xbox copy, or sorry, the Game Pass copycat is just not offering a value proposition to the customer the way Xbox is. So it's that it doesn't really compete on the same level as we've said before. Um, and then the PSVR is a really, really amazing piece of kit, but every source I've heard is they are desperate for games. I mean, I, I think they would sell their own mother for some developers <laughs> to make games for this stupid fucking platform, dude. Like there's no one making games for this thing, right? You, you can't build a successful platform without content, full stop. And I, they're, they're, they're not allocating teams within Sony. You know, they're not taking people from like Last of Us and God of War and allocating to the make a VR game. I mean, that, that would be idiotic, okay? Just saying, okay? Uh, and, and so to the extent, I'm sorry they are doing that. I'm just saying they can't do that at scale because they can't justify the expense. Um, and then the the one nuance point that I, I try to make once in a while, it's it, it's kind of hard. is like the fact that they are looking at more cross-platform, broader exposure for their IPs or because cross-platform and playing on different devices is becoming more popular, there is a chance that their content becomes less relevant to some degree, right? When they, ex- when players and customers expect cross-platform to whatever they're using, exclusives on PlayStation are not as valuable to them. So for instance, Fortnite can be played equally amongst all that platform. So, you know, like, that's if that's what customers want, then having a game on the platform doesn't necessarily exclusive game that doesn't do that may may become a problem going forward. I don't think that's a big deal, but it's just kind of the way things are moving in that way. Um, So the other thing that wasn't mentioned, which I think is either good or bad, depending how you look at it, is the expansion of the demographics, right? Like they're not talking about expanding to women, to girls, to older people, right? You know, shifting to mobile PC, maybe you can make adjustments, maybe make some arguments that they're changing, you know, demographic. but. You know, I don't think it's all that incremental. I think they're still attracting the same 16 to 44 year old male demographic. Like that's, that's their bread and butter in this audience, in this, in this market. Um, But I'm kind of on both sides on this personally, because I think it would be great to build platforms for everybody, but young, old women, whatever. But I think that's a really, really, really tough road to incorporate features and content that uh, appeals to that broad of an audience. You know, we... As much as people love to talk about the success of the Wii, the big fundamental problem with the Wii is that they crash and burn because they abandoned the core. Right? They kept creating this casual content for, you know, the old folks' homes like Wii Fit, Wii Music, you know, Wii Singing. Oh my God, Wii Singing. You remember that? Like, but they forgot to make another Zelda or another Mario. Right? Like they, you know, or where was where where was the Pokemon games? Right? Like like it was it was. It was disastrous for the core and once you lose the core then then the the platform doesn't become as viable and the entire ratios go down anyway um but it was pretty clear by by omission that they are steering the course of of focusing on the 18 or 16 to 44 year old demo um and a lot of the recent acquisitions kind of showcase that as well so i guess for me um for me personally as an analyst covering this for the bigger invest big big investors and big companies this kind of takes out the risk of the model for them, right? They don't need, they continue to serve the market um, and ensure that this console business will continue as it always has been, this juggernaut of 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 monetization and, and AAA. Um, and I'm expecting many, many, many more generations of PlayStations to come. Um, and despite all the hype around this bullshit streaming and other, you know, non you know, these nonsensical hype around these disruptive platforms, I think. The consoles will remain, you know, in their lane with this great demographic of 18 to 44 year old males that spend a shit ton of money, um, and, and and keep the AAA business alive uh, for years to come. So, anyway, that's kind of my take on it. I, I I do think you know Sony is in a really really good spot right now, and I think the console business is also in a very good spot um, for at least the Western markets. Mr. Adam, thoughts i think we've kind of covered this
2: so many times with the concerns about their
1: um kind of
2: brazen approach to uh, assuming live services transition will be simple it won't be um, yeah and mobile executing on mobile we've seen so many bad examples and i don't know how their ip is going to translate right. um, so yeah i think we've covered it enough
3: any thoughts eric you getting a playstation 5. I told you, I got mine off this like shady Facebook group where people were like driving up to Canada and buying them in bulk and then driving back down and selling them for like an inflated markup. But when I was in Istanbul, when we were flying back from Istanbul, I had some time in the airport and they had like a stack, like a stack of like 20, like a pile. They were a thousand bucks, a thousand dollars to buy. Oh, come on. All right. Well, that's it for this week. All right, fellas.
1: Is is Laura coming back or did we scare yeah, she said her said off?
3: Next week she's back, amazing. and then the week after that she she can't make it. All right, all right, guys. Until next Stay week. Stay in trouble. Bye.